Now on the Business Radio X Network, Conscious Capitalism, elevating humanity through business in Southern Arizona. Your hosts, Sarah McLaren and Jeremy Neese. Southern Arizona does good business, and we want to talk about it. Welcome to the Conscious Capitalism radio show and podcast, streaming live and on demand from the Tucson Business Radio X studio. Conscious Capitalism is an international movement promoting business as a force for good. The Conscious Capitalism movement has 40, 50 chapters across the United States, some international chapters as well, and lots of activity down here in the southern part of uh, Arizona with a, with a chapter um, in Arizona as well. We are bringing people together to make it easier for Southern Arizona businesses to do business and to partner with other organizations who know successful companies value all of their stakeholders, including the, com the co communities in which they operate. That's right. On this show, we want to shine a light on real-world examples of good business happening right in our own backyards. We invite leaders in our community to share their stories and experiences, to tell us about their personal journey through the world of business, to let us know what makes their organization great and how they go about bringing value to Southern Arizona. If you would like to learn more about conscious capitalism and the community of people forming around it, please visit ConsciousCapitalism.org to learn more or reach out to Sarah and I. We will help you out. So let's get into some good business conversations and introduce you to the people who will be participating in today's conversations. For myself, I'm Jeremy Neese. My enterprise is Retirement Evolutions. We work in providing long-range wealth management uh, solutions, help people invest in what they value. And I'm Sarah McCarran with McCarran Compliance. We offer safety training and consulting services, specializing in MSHA, OSHA, and DOT. And our purpose is to create communities where we all watch out for each other. Uh, our guest today, uh, first we have uh, Jeff Kewell. Jeff is a Tucson native that graduated from the University of Arizona, where he received his degree in business administration while becoming a three-year letterman of the Arizona football team. Jeff was an all-Pac-10 performer. See, I wanted to say Pac-12, but you know, <laughs> to be true, I guess it was a Pac-10 performer uh, that has gone on to earn his Master's of Business Administration from Duke University's Fuqua School of Business. Did I say it right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Good. Uh, let's see. Along the way, Jeff held leadership positions at some of the biggest brands in the gold industry. In 2015, Jeff joined Goodman's Interior Structures to be a... <laughs> what? It's a typo. Oh. Golf. Golf? One letter. The makes golf. such a big difference oh, in the industry. You know... And we'll get into some that. Of those, some but, of those brands yeah. are the gold standard in gold. gold there you standard. go. Yeah, I was ask. like gold. I was really curious and interested to hear about, you know, who the top names were in the gold industry. But uh, uh, golf, or maybe we'll just make something up and go with gold. See, see whatever what sounds can, more intriguing. See what we can come up with. Uh, so in any case, uh, Jeff joined Goodman's in 2015, and he joined to become a part of their mission. We're at Goodman's. Uh, they they want to change our community. So Goodman's is officially a benefit corporation, which is focused on community, environment, and employees, as well as their shareholders. So Goodman's is active with Local First and, of course, supporting their own good friends, which we'll hear a lot more about in the next hour. And redistribute uh, who are good threads again. We'll hear more about them, but the the short is that they're redistributing clothing to foster and the kinship community of Southern Arizona. So Jeff, as a big supporter of local community outreach, is a graduate of the Greater Tucson Leadership Class of 2018. So that's recent. Woo woo! You know, so done. <laughs> congrats there. Uh, and an active member of the Chamber of Commerce, Metropolitan Pima Alliance, and other local associations that aim to make Tucson on a better place to live and raise a family. So thank you so much for being here, Jeff. Good to be here. So we also have with us Michelle Wright. Uh, as a foster and adoptive parent, Michelle has a deep personal understanding of the challenges foster, adoptive, and, kin and kinship families face in Arizona. Uh, I was, uh, for a short time, a, a kinship uh, family myself. Oh, yeah. So you, you already know what it is. Yeah, I do. Uh, so uh, she had an idea and brought it to her employer, Goodman's Interior Structures, a local 64-year-old third-generation family 
family owned business. So, you know, we'll hear a lot more about Goodman's as well and uh, their connection with Good Threads. But Goodman supported her personal mission with an investment of company resources such as warehouse space, delivery trucks, donation bins, marketing support, and by encouraging employees to volunteer and participate in, in, in helping Michelle serve her mission. So together with Goodman's uh, Tucson team, Good Threads has donated over has donated uh, clothing and has actually clothed over 15,000 kids and has enjoyed watching them benefit from the warmth, dignity, pride, and sense of community that come with nice clothing, the nice clothes, sometimes my tongue gets tied, <laughs> nice clothing and accessories provided by Good Threads uh, and the experience of attending a Good Threads exchange event. So thank you so much, Michelle, for being here. We really appreciate it. And thank you for having me. Very excited to hear more. Right. Sarah, I think there's spas in Slovakia you can go to to help get your My tongue, tongue untied. untied, yeah. 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 <laughs> so uh, we certainly want to hear about your organizations because this is conscious capitalism and how do we go about sharing <clears throat> how you've structured things within your entities to, um, to serve community and serve your clients and your employees and all that good stuff. But we certainly want to get to know you both as people first. Jeff, you want to start us off? Give us your story and what My life brought you, how life story. brought you to be at Goodman's? Well, your only really, limit is one hour. Except for the, uh, the gold versus golf. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think that's my story. I, I'm a local kid here. I went to Sabino High School um, when that was a new high school in town. Uh, went to the U of A, graduated there. My, uh, my family... My dad owned a building supply company here for, or ran a building supply company here for 35 years. So I was involved in the construction industry, but um, we've really seen the the Tucson community grow up. I I left Tucson in '85, as young men do. I had a chance to play professional football for a while, so I did that. Then I got into the work community after that, but found my way back to Tucson in 2003 to raise my own family. So we've got two girls, uh, Mackenzie and Samantha. One is graduating in May from the University of Arizona, and one is graduating in December for the University of Arizona. So um, I'm almost through <laughs> the financially <laughs> encumbering <laughs> phase the hardest of, part the, of parenting. Of parenting, but um, you know when we when we came here, an, an interesting fact about our family is that when I left, I. When I got started in business, I was moving every two to three years just for opportunity. And uh, I met Denise, my wife, and we, she was part of that. And we moved from Phoenix, we moved back to Augusta, and her family is all back east. And so when we had the opportunity to move back to Tucson, she said, I'll do it. But the condition is, is that we don't move again. I, she was an army brat. She moved her whole life, went to three high schools. Jeez. I, you know, my mom and dad live in the house I grew up in to this day. So I had a, a much Pretty more stark stable. And she wanted, um, you know, she wanted our girls to have friends that, you know, they went to school with all the way through high school. And they do. Both of my girls have friends that they started in kindergarten with. So. That's what she wanted, and so that was our agreement, and so we, in fact, have been here ever since. But Tucson is uh, uh, a place I love, and it's a great place to raise a family, and I'm, and I'm interested in the community aspect because I want this to place that my kids and my grandkids can raise their family and, and have an equally great place to live. Well said. Thanks for sharing that. Michelle, would you give us your backdrop, if you will, please? Oh, my story. Well, let's see. I didn't play any sports, but. <laughs> All right, uh, we're done. Yeah, we're done. Um, <laughs> well, so I grew up I grew up in a, a suburb of Portland, Oregon, and we moved down to Phoenix when I was 13, I think. I uh, went to junior high and high school up there, and then I, I came down to the U of A to be a science major, biology major. And I had never even been to Tucson until the first day of school. So I was like, all right, well, hopefully I like it down here. I did. I really like Tucson. I, I thought it was a pretty cool uh, melting pot of people 
from all over the place. And I enjoyed meeting people from, a lot of people from the Midwest. I think they were avoiding the, the snow. That's for sure. So, uh, so yeah, I was uh, um, working some grad programs. My dad had started a job in, in Phoenix at, at Goodman's. And I just needed a part-time job. So while I was still in school, I started part-time with Goodman's and then ended up working for them for 24 years. But uh, about 11 years ago or so, um, I had a coworker that was a foster parent, and she'd kind of, uh, you should do this. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I will, I will. And she's like, well, get going then. Stop just talking about it. So uh, uh, it was Terry DeBay, by the way, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and she had adopted her own daughter um, from Casa de los Niños. So I did it. I did the classes and uh, drank the Kool-Aid. And I have since fostered and adopted seven or eight kids. I adopted three. And uh, the way this program got started, and all the while I'm still working at Goodman's, um, in 2009, the economy and everything, you know, was just really taking a dive, including most state services. And uh, they really got slashed pretty horrifically during that time. And uh, that was kind of on my mind anyway. But uh, I got my daughter that same year, and I got her because I had adopted her brother. And so I got that phone call, hey, can you come get, I'm like, Get who? Well, this 2 da little girl. So that's kind of how I thought, well, how the heck does anybody, like everybody else gets nine months to prepare for this, and I got an hour and a half. <laughs> and uh, they're like, we close at five. I'm like, okay, <laughs> and I'll come get her. And my kids are like fighting in the back. My boys are like super little. And my boys were both one when I got them. So there's a super big difference, by the way, between yeah. like that 48-hour thing and the one, which I've figured out pretty quickly but um she didn't come with anything and and I'm not saying this is like some package I should get but like nothing like and I didn't have a crib I didn't I didn't have anything for an infant so I was very lucky I had neighbors that had just had babies in fact my next door neighbor's TPD cop and she had three boys and so my daughter wore this like I'm gonna be a police officer or a policeman go. when I grew up for like two <laughs> weeks so that was kind of the catalyst those just happened at the same time you know in 2009 and you were already fostering them true yeah okay yeah I had already adopted my two boys but it just the the slashing of the all of the services and then this experience with my daughter just really got me thinking I can't believe there's not a place in Pima County that could help kids like this. And uh, it just became a real passion for me, more than just providing like something for kids to fit and wear to school, but there's a sense of dignity that is lost when a kid has a really horrific removal. And they become these old souls and their childhood is sort of stripped for them. And I wanna, I want if anything I can do, whether it's with clothes or whatever, is just to have them have that sense of, I matter enough so that's Absolutely. kind of how it started well and i think part. that you know with some of the kids being not the the newborn babies but you know some of the older kids um there's a a sense of stability and attachment that comes with their stuff and sometimes the uh you know you're going into foster and there's everything is unknown and and they can put their attention on, you know, well, how am I going to go to school without a backpack when they had to leave their backpack behind? And that can become, you know, a focal point for all of the anxiety that comes with the unknown. And right. so you can really simply solve that and and give them a, a little bit of their, their, you know, lost security with something like, you know, a backpack or how am I going to go to school without shoes? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I feel like, I mean, I had a really great childhood growing up, and I had a stay-at-home mom. I was lucky. But I, it's such an unfair burden to put on kids. Um, being removed is bad enough than not even knowing if I'm going to have things to wear, appropriate things to wear. And, I mean, it's there's still a huge need out there. I mean, I, I know they talk about numbers being down, but... I had just checked them before we started, like in uh, the state of Arizona, there's over 13,000 dependency cases right now, or kids in care. Pima County, around 1,300 of those are here, but there isn't even half that in terms of the number of licensed foster homes in Arizona. Really? So the, the biggest problem isn't just the number of kids in care, it's the ratio of foster parents to kids in care. There's just not enough. And it's a severe crisis right now. And unfortunately, we spend a lot of time focusing on just the numbers 
of the kids in care, and that, that should be looked at. But the bigger crisis is happening right now in terms of licensing, especially in Pima County. We've been having the foster parent orientation classes at Goodman's, so that's kind of the, I'm thinking I might want to do it kind of thing, be a foster parent. And um, sometimes they only have two people show up. And that's very concerning to me when I look at a number like 1,300, like what is it that we're doing wrong? Um, so that's a whole nother, you know, epidemic that's kind of going on, but it's something that we also need to look at. Because I mean, for me as a foster parent, I got great services from the state. And unfortunately, I feel like a lot of the news focuses on the really horrific things that happen. But I personally had excellent OTs for my son and PTs, and they'd come to my house and I had a good experience. I mean, there's bad ones, but. Right. There was, uh, <clears throat> not to make too much light of it, but there was a comedian who was kind of shining a light on the fact, because I think a lot of what's going on here is people just don't have an awareness. Really. Right. Those numbers you just dropped about the disproportionate number of people in need versus those that are. Yeah qualified to help or at least mm -hmm. licensed to help um the the joke was like you know you can't go anywhere on a weekend without seeing a pet adoption somewhere right. they're on every you know every pet smarts and wherever you go but yet we have human beings who have needs and that's closeted and we don't talk about that and we don't make it a public issue and say hey these are living creatures that need help but yeah the dogs and cats we'll, we'll parade them around plenty just don't worry well, about the people. And obviously there's a privacy and a, you know, a safety issue sure, there, sure. but there's still just such an abundance of kids that, I mean, the blue, actually next month is a foster awareness month. So May, I brought you guys some ribbons if you want them, All right. but um, the blue ribbon event is coming up on May 5th on Cinco de Mayo. It's at the um, Nissan on 22nd street. So that's a cool place to go to. So I'll be there as one of the supporting agencies of DCS in, in Tucson and Pima County, but there'll be all the other agencies that are there that can license people. And there'll be other groups that if you don't wanna be like a foster parent per se, you could you know join other groups to help in different ways. So that's just a good thing to keep in mind, if, just to see what is out there that might fit your comfort level if you do wanna get involved and help. Cause that's what, I mean, I know a lot of people wanna donate money, which is totally awesome by the way, but <laughs> it sometimes, it's getting your hands dirty and actually getting in there. And like for me with Good Threads, it's sorting all the clothes and doing all that stuff in my garage. But the best part is the event. So I'm like, you know, sometimes people will donate stuff. And I'm like, but come to the thing. Like I want you to like, it's totally different when you see that look in a kid's eye that you've for that just a split second made them feel like normal and not like stressed for a moment. And that's worth yeah. coming out to see because it, it takes you to a different level of compassion, I think. So you mentioned, you know, getting your hands dirty and about how uh, just the, the, the personal reward uh, that we can get as individuals by really participating. And I think that uh, helps us kind of translate that into, well, that's really what Goodman's did. So we've talked a bit about, you know, Good Threads and we've, he we've heard, you know, some things about, uh, um, about, you know, foster, fostering in general, but to kind of give everybody a, a full picture of what, what is really going on here. Um, Jeff, if you could just first give us a little bit more about Goodman's, we got just a little bit in your introduction, but tell us more about go who Goodman's is, and then let's make sure everybody understands how Goodman's is really getting their hands dirty with Good Threads. Okay, so Goodman's is a, uh, is a contract commercial furniture dealer. So that means we design and install commercial office space of, of healthcare, commercial office, uh, government, you know, any, anything you can think of that's commercial, we're involved with. That's, that's kind of what we do. And the thing that's different that, that you know, Goodman's is a B Corp that you mentioned in your intro, but the reason that this makes a difference, and, and I, I think this is a great way to talk about this at this point with, you know, Michelle giving, you know, such a great overview of Good Threads and why she does it is that, you know, I want to be clear about this. The reason there's a Good Threads is because of Michelle Wright. Goodman's didn't create Good Threads. Michelle Wright created Good Threads. What Goodman's did, because of our, our philosophy, because that 
really what our mission is not to sell furniture. Our mission is um, at Goodman's, we will change our community. And so with that as a mission, when Michelle said, hey, I have an idea. Adam, I forgot about that part. Yeah, that Adam, was a little messy. <laughs> Adam, so the owner of the company, Adam could say, and if Adam were here, he will tell you this was his complete involvement and the idea was, he said, okay. <laughs> but but if we were, if we existed to sell furniture to make as much money as we can, we would be asking questions like, well, what are the costs of the trucks going to be? And how do we, like, like who's going to pay for the labor to, because when it first started, we, um, you know, Michelle is sorting and folding and selecting these clothes for the boutique. But the boutique on the second Saturday of every month got packed in a truck, hauled to a location, unpacked, the boutique happened. Nine years. <laughs> then it got all packed up again and moved back to the warehouse and unpacked and stored away. So we would ask all those questions about who's going to pay for this, essentially, because we have an obligation to our shareholders. But instead, Adam said, wait a second. We're going to change our community. And what that means is that surplus talent, assets, resources, capabilities, if we can apply them in a positive way in the community, we're going to ask how and when and not how much it costs. And so what happened was is that Goodman's became... Um, a co-conspirator with Michelle's great idea or an enabler that said, hey, look, we have all these things. How can we best use them? Michelle, tell us, how can we help you so that you can bring this up and bring this idea and serve our community? And at the end of the day, every, sa every second Saturday of the month, the community is a little better off than it was before the second Saturday of the month. And that's how, that's how Goodman's involvement you know, came to be in good threats. It wasn't like I, I, I get this question a lot. That's why I'm making a statement. I get this question a lot. There's, you know, well, it's so great of Goodman's to do this. Well, so it's our it's our DNA for Adam to say, okay, that, right. because it's part of our purpose. It's Michelle's efforts and vision and commitment that really made this happen. We just said, yeah, I can drive the truck there. See, and, I, and that's, I'm really glad that you point that out, not just because it's, you know, the credit should go, you know, where, where it was earned, but just the fact that, you know, it's, it's what conscious capitalism is, it's what we're saying. So you have a company that has a purpose, has a mission, and then they have the culture that truly lives that mission. So you can have an employee with a really good idea that number one will come up and ask because, you know, in a lot of places you would never even ask. And then number two, you know, is received with uh, yeah. And then given the, you know, empowered, uh, given the authority to go and the trust to go make it happen. And, you know, that's, you know, really, that's what we're saying. You know, it's like, we've got, everyone's got good people. I mean, it, it, we just had to figure out how to create the right environment so that they are willing to take risks and to put themselves out there and to, and to themselves individually live that, that mission, that purpose of changing, changing the community. So Michelle, um, so nine years, you're, you're trucking stuff around, but, you know, give us more about how it started. So, you know, we, you got the yes, you're looking around at all the different resources and extra things that are around and, and you know, and then what? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I still remember it. I was jotting it down on a piece of paper. I'm like, glass of wine, not going to lie. It and helps. I'm like, it was frustrating, you know? And I, I just remember thinking when all of this was happening, I just gotten my daughter, we're getting emails every other day, which the yearly allotment back then was uh, $300 a year uh, per kid. And they cut it to 150, which has never come back. It's still 150. As we sit here right now, it's $150 yeah. per you, child. You, yeah, for the year. And that's good luck with that one. Clothing them, you said backpacks, school supplies. I, I mean, it was that was the clothing allotment at that time, and they there were a whole bunch of other services that got cut to, you know, that were specific things. And I don't know if any of those have come back, but uh, for me, it was more about I I never liked when I would see people on street corners 
protesting against things and stuff. I, I for me, I'm I want to if I'm going to be upset about something, I think I should try to do something Channel to fix energy. it instead of just tell everybody I think it's ridiculous because it is. I don't have to say that's ridiculous. We all know that's ridiculous. Doesn't help make anything better. Right. So I was like, well, how can I even do something like that? Like in my garage, you know, at first it seems like, oh, this is really simple. We'll just collect some clothes and we'll just sort them and it's good. So it's not that simple. And every <laughs> store labels their clothes like super weirdly and differently. Like a 2T at Target is not a 2T at Kohl's. Like, so then there's, you start to learn those things. And so the first couple of months I was trying to figure it out, had my first giveaway and nobody showed up. And I'm like, what the heck? And that's when I quickly learned that you have to get to the agencies that license the families to tell them about it. So it was kind of a tricky little thing is that the audience that I wanted to serve, I couldn't know who they were. So that was a bit of a challenge. So, so I had some of those things to kind of overcome and kind of put the pressure on groups I knew weren't, you know, I'd have people sign in, well, how'd you find out? And it's like kind of pressure the ones like, no one of your family's ever come, why? You know, so. And then over Smart. time, it just it got better and better and easier and easier. And, and now most of my families are referred by the DCS workers, which that's really great because that means they were told that right when the child was removed. Yeah, right at the source. Of, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy to hear that. At the time that they need to know. Yes, yeah. right at the beginning. So um, I'm actually able to do like emergency pulls now because I used to just, when I was working good ones, do it once a month. And uh, now like, on you don't even know, on Sunday morning, we had a, a a teen group home come to Goodman's and I did like I brought them breakfast for these teen girls and they got to ha take their time and we listened to music and I had cool. food and I just I totally made them feel like as special as I could so it was it was like I have goosebumps talking about it um, and one of my friends uh, brought her dog who's super sweet and the girls were just they had such a good time and it was great like but one of the things I noticed when I was sitting there doing it is like kind of feel like I'm talking to like old souls because they kind of become old souls quick. So it's nice to be able, when we talk about getting our hands dirty, just sitting and chatting and asking them about their future and what they want to do. I mean, sometimes it's just that, right. you know, and having a place to do that. That's what's so great about having that, that space is we can make the space in Goodman's whatever we want. And, you know, we weren't really using the showroom anymore. You know, it's like everybody looks at stuff online. It's, you don't need like a giant showroom. So we never even turned on the lights over on that side because we just, we see it's a huge building. So it was pretty cool that we could build our space out of the products we, we sold. So it's kind of a fun little cross story with the walls and all the furniture and stuff that, you know, that's kind of a connection. But because after nine years of hauling it around using trucks, oh, we got a you decided to, like you know, take that unused space at at Goodman's. Yeah. And now you have a permanent home. Yeah. yeah which I'm sure makes it, you know, it's a lot more efficient operation. Yeah, I think a lot more businesses could do that. I mean, obviously. Most businesses, they still need at least one meeting room or conference room or something, but it's like a blip on the screen. You don't use it super often. You know, people are remote workers, but you still need space. But what if when the space is dormant, it could continue to serve the community? Like, I really want to have more things like that in my space. Um, I've been e meeting more uh, of like kind of the third party support groups like me that are just kind of starting up. Like there's a gal and she does a, a therapy. She was a foster mom for special needs. So she started a support group but she doesn't have a place to have it so i was like dude you should have it have it here at goodman's and tonight the foster parent orientation is at goodman's nice it's a neutral space we have really comfy furniture so the building is giving back um and it's it's just it's really cool and jeff those are spaces outside of the boutique right so it's, we got the boutique full-time in goodman's but then we're we're you're also utilizing the space for for other you know community services as well like the the um the meet and greets yeah sure we we um we like to have meetings in this space you know we are you know we are an ongoing business so hopefully if someone that's in business might see the cool furniture we have in the showroom but more than that it's like like michelle said it's really like no one's using that no one's using our education side of our upstairs tonight. Like, no, there's no conflict. Right. There's no reason why we couldn't have a group that, and while it's disappointing when that group is small, there's been times where that group is large and yeah. we needed the space. And so it's great to be able to 
support that again this is this is all surplus resources yeah this is this is not didn't cost us anything as a company to do something good for the community if i could print a t-shirt that would be it for business leaders to have that mindset at all time like what is surplus here and people like michelle who have an energy towards something and can channel that purpose through the business and peripherally probably benefit the business to your point it doesn't hurt for people to be strolling around your showroom even though that's not the intent for them to gather there so it it addresses the the business side of things but just that mindset uh, to be able to be open-minded to any opportunity with the surplus items that are here because we're already here anyway we're turning on the lights we got people huddling up anyway what else can we do beyond our core mission well i think every business should not just like you said not just make a profit but if you're if you are here in our city doing business don't just do business you should also do other things too i mean i think it should be all of our duties like how we pay taxes but you have to like there has to be a way to give back and like for my for me my kids come to every good threads because I, I want to instill in them that this doesn't just stop right here. Like, this has to keep going. I mean, if everybody would just get actively involved in something, we probably wouldn't have most of the social problems we have today. Yeah, exactly. That, right. And... and and, you know, that's the biggest part of why, you know, Jeremy and I are really promoting conscious capitalism, why, um, you know, Good Threads is involved with conscious capitalism is because we really believe that we can solve these things through business because we have these resources. You know, we have the, you know, say the trucks and, and the people and the brains that are, you know, that are you know, solve problems all day long. Well, you know, we there's a whole bunch of problems to solve that, you know, that can impact our community. Some of them are directly through the business that we do, and yet some of them, you know, maybe are indirectly through through the business that, you know, that we do. And it's, it's like you were saying that, you know, you got to get, you know, your hands dirty. You've got to get involved. You can sit around and complain about a problem. You could, you can, you know, hold up a sign on a corner. You could even put, you know, a, pr a particular political, uh, you know, sign in, in your yard, but how does that solve the problem versus actually doing something? And as people in the community who have resources, as companies, organizations who have resources, you could sit back and complain or you could do something and you can make those changes. And, and, you know, that's why we have you here to help, you know, <laughs> let people know. And, and, you know, not, it wasn't just the words that, that Jeff said, it was really the tone in his voice. He was just like, duh, you know, he's like, it's simple. You know, that was, that's what I heard. He's like, we've got them. It's simple. It's, it's, you know, why would they sit gathering dust at night or whatever, you know, when we have them, it's simple. So, Michelle, one more question. Well, not one more, but, you know, one at the moment. Uh, so how for how long did you uh, work at Good Threads? I mean, work for Goodman's and Good Threads where you were you were doing both? Uh, almost a little, a little over nine years. Yeah, a little over nine years. Yeah, I was doing both. <laughs> so kind of when you uh, when you sort of like it evolved uh, in two different ways. One, you get your permanent space and also they get a permanent director yeah so yeah that happened last summer so yeah that's been a, a lot less stressful yeah <laughs> just do one to do one and then there's, there's those three kids that i adopted too they take up a little bit of time that's true you know <laughs> so yeah. what, what was it that uh, allowed you to make that that switch i think it was just it was time i i'm it's truly my passion and I've, it's, I've been able to utilize it. One of the things I was doing at Goodman's, um, I was kind of the higher ed specialist. So I had been working with the university on a lot of like maker spaces and cool immersive spaces. So I had been really kind of researching and studying, creating those kinds of spaces for quite a while. And I was able to kind of translate that knowledge into the space that I'm trying to create for our foster care community, you know, using a more immersive environment that can be utilized. Um, I was seeing the university do more public-private partnerships, which is what you were just describing and how effective they are. So I feel like I have this kind of unique vantage point that I learned from my, you know, the private, you know, working to make money kind of thing. But I was a foster parent. And so just kind of seeing how that could potentially work. I saw it work 
you know, in projects I worked on with the university, but to think, well, how could that work if I changed hats and then I went to the, you know, the government public part of it, but tried to, you know, eventually use the connections and folks I'd met during all my years at Goodman's that, you know, I know they don't know about all the need. And I know that the people on the foster care side don't know those people that care are out there. Um, I've, I know all the architects in town and stuff like that. So, you know, it's it's been kind of crazy kind of figure out how to do that transition of that hat to this hat. But it's it's been really cool and very rewarding. And I've been able to spend a lot more time with my kids, so that's good. Sometimes. Depends on the morning. <laughs> <laughs> that's true in any household. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, I was going to ask you, um, so have you, what, what do you see in the office day to day and how having good threads on site or even just knowing, you know, that your company supports it? How does, how do you see that um, in your employees or in the workplace day to day? Any, the impact that it has on everybody besides Michelle? You know, it's a good, it's a good question. It comes back to a question that I I personally get from those I talk to about the conscious capitalism concepts. Um, and I can tell you that I think we're all proud to be a part of, you know, there's a, a sense of pride and there's a sense of uh, doing good that comes having the boutique in the, in the facility. But I don't know that I can quantify like, if we, like, what are the benefits of having good threads right next door to us? We all like it. It makes us feel good. I mean, that that that's kind of in a nutshell. Um, I think that listening to Michelle talk about her passion here, the thing I want to point out is that what what made Goodman's involvement possible was the way we see the world. You know, it wasn't because... And I don't want to speak for you, Michelle, but it wasn't because someone did a great business plan on what a great thing this will be and how in the next 10 years it's going to drive. You know, no one did that. It was more simple. It was how we see the world. We're going to change our community. And if we have surplus stuff that we can apply to the greater good, our answer is not. Well, we'll look at it. Our answer is, yeah, what's the next step? We, we're, we're in. That's what we want to do. And there's more. Good Threads is, is such a great Tucson, you know, model. But there's other things at Goodman's that happened in a very similar way that, um, that we do. We have the Aim to Make a Difference project, which repurposes trade-in furniture specifically to the nonprofit community. There's no cost except for, you know, if we have to send, you know, we have to send a crew out there all day to install it for you. We're gonna, we're gonna, we need to recover those direct costs, but there's no charge for the furniture. It's just a different way to do it, and it's it's how you view the world that allows us to see that opportunity. It's not some, you know, real understanding of the business benefit to changing our community. Does that make? Sense. It does. I mean, I, I think it makes perfect sense because wh what else is there to say except for that we've created a work environment where it feels good mm -hmm. to be here? You know, wouldn't wouldn't we all either wouldn't we all like to be working at a place where you walk through the door and it feels good? I mean, and again, it doesn't mean that it's it's vacation and it doesn't mean that, you know, you got, you know, uh cabana boy fanning you or something like that it's still work but you can feel good you know walking through the door and even i don't want to say even better but also being a part of creating that environment where people walk through the door and they're you know they're happy you know to be there again not you know vacation happy and you know everything isn't you know rainbows all the time but they're like it's worth their time and effort to be there and it's beyond just an obligation so and that's the other you know the benefit it's not just you know having the resources and creating this community and contributing to the community it's also about the community inside the walls of the business and you know where people, again, where people are being lifted up instead of being dragged down, and then what do they take home with them at the end of the day, every single day? 
So, you know, those are, so yes, makes, makes perfect sense. Well, and for me, the most powerful part of it is, you know, I, you see slogans on the wall all the time. I mean, it's, it's, it's great that you've got your purpose statement of Goodman's will change communities, but that in and of itself is just letters on the wall. The fact that you have this daily personification of here's how we do that. Here's one example that that is pervasive on your employees' minds, on any customer or prospect that walks through the door, any business group, you're always a, a kind host to us. Uh, we, we see that. It's, you know, sometimes when I'm thumbing through um, you know, news feeds, I'll see some. I'm always intrigued by, oh, hey, look, somebody's at least talking the talk of infusing goodness and social impact into their business operations. And then I'll see the, the logo of the company who put it up there. I'm like, yeah, but I know a little <laughs> bit about you. So that's cool that your CSR department released this statement, but that's not a full embodiment of what you are. Yeah. And so um, I think that's very powerful that you have it right there. You cannot ever take your eyes off it. Yeah. I was going to ask you earlier, Jeff, um, we heard, uh, Michelle, you have been there so long, you just kind of stuck around yeah. and it served you. I assume that this purpose-driven dynamic came along during your tenure there, right? It wasn't a slogan on the wall at the time you started the business, oh, no, right? No, no. Was it when you did, Jeff? Was that yeah. one of the things that attracted you? I mean, you have a background in gold and golf. I mean, you could have went anywhere. <laughs> and you ended up at, at Goodman's. What, what were some of the drivers that so, allowed you to choose them over others? So I was looking for, um, you know, when Adam called me uh, to talk about this, the, the first two times we talked, I started the discussion by saying, you know, I don't have any experience in furniture. And so we got by that, that obstacle that took two phone calls to get by. <laughs> and we started talking and it, took, and it took quite a while. But really what I was looking for is uh, I had spent 28 years getting on an airplane and really doing business outside of the, this town that I grew up in. And so my personal motivation for being interested or joining Goodman's um, and being a part of that culture is that I was interested in changing the community, making it a community my kids wanted to be a part of, and being a part of the business community in a way, an active participant that you just can't be if you're not here during the business week. You just can't. You just can't do it. You just can't be here unless you can go to the mixers at night. And 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 Completely I'm fortunate true. enough to be on the board of a of a group now. And we're you know we're and so I'm involved in a way that uh, I was never able to be involved in a way. And the what what kept me from not ending the conversation at I don't have any experience in furniture at all was that I was enamored with this company that felt like furniture was a way they were going to change their community. That's great. And well, and Adam, obviously, uh, on the other side of the phone was like, yeah, 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 you don't know anything about furniture. That's not the point. Let's keep talking. That's exactly. Yeah. What, that's why I like you. Yeah. That's right. I get it. But It's bigger than furniture. It's community. Um, but, but, we, but we are a business. So we are in the commercial contract furniture business so so we have to make that work you know the the uh the if if we couldn't make the business work we couldn't support good threads we couldn't support aim to make a difference we couldn't be active in the community in other ways that we're active we couldn't support the volunteerism of our of our employees the way we do we couldn't we couldn't do those things so you know having a viable sustainable business <laughs> is an important part. It's a it's a necessary it's a necessary yes. ingredient. Well and so is, you know, interior structures. I mean, you you build the outside, we gotta fill the inside too. I mean, so it's it it's it's a value. You know, the it's it's not so yes, you know the community is important part, and that's our our mission. It's your that's your mission. I'm like oh, that's part of it already. <laughs> you know, changing you know changing the community, but you bring a valuable service to the community with the business that you do as well. I mean, it your um, you know you provide quality products, you provide quality consult, you you work in partnership, you're transparent. I mean, so it's in my opinion, it's equally as important, you know, not just to, you know, have the the profits to to fuel the machine, but that you 
Goodman's itself is bringing an important service to the community and and uh, a place that a company can trust that they can go to and they can trust. So um, so yeah, I mean it's just as important. So the so your response makes me want to clarify something. So we don't like I, I don't mean to imply that we do commercial contract furniture so that we can then do something else that helps the community. We, we believe that uh, through our professional solution, design solutions and professional furniture solutions that we can create uh, healthcare environments that help healing, that we can create commercial office environments that foster innovation and, and create better outcomes for businesses through a more effective workforce and a, a more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a positive attitude, if you will, in the workplace, a happier place to work. Like mm -hmm. we, we believe, we believe that government can work better if the environment, the workplace environment is better. So we believe that we're changing the community for the better through our everyday work, blocking and tackling. This is what we have. Right. But, you know, the, the point on the con conscious capitalist side of it is that we, we, we also believe as conscious capitalism that in the long run, in the long view, that that's a more profitable way to go, but that it, it is capitalism. It's conscious, but it's capitalism. And so it's okay to make money. It's okay to be profitable. It's not, you know, it's, it's not the only good that's done in the world is through nonprofits. And I hate, I want to go on record now, I hate the term nonprofit. <laughs> I would rather have, like, let's call them for-purpose for yeah. companies instead of nonprofit because they are all generating value. Yeah, I, I, you know, I agree. I definitely hope my vision, my Sarah McCarran's vision for the future is that they, they blend more and more and that the lines, you know, at some point you know, to disappear. But, you know, you know, it's, it's evident uh, in some of the stuff that even Michelle was saying about, about how Goodman is changing their community through their direct business services and creating those comfortable environments. I mean, she talks about, you know, creating the boutique uh, first every, you know, once a month, but now in the permanent space. And how do you create the environment where it feels comfortable and that people, um, you know, they feel good when they walk through it. And that was a, a big focus for Michelle in developing, you know, the transient and then the permanent site. And so where did she get that from? Well, well it's space, pretty clear. <laughs> well, space is a message. I yeah. mean, that is something that we have been learning, you know, in the higher education environments that we were creating. I mean, not to just attract or retain students, but faculty and things like that. So, I mean, for me, like space is a message. I mean, think about any space, something as simple as uh, you walk into a room, it's some kind of a networking event, but it's rows of tables. Are you going to talk to a lot of people and they're all facing forward versus maybe no tables or sitting in a circle? I mean, there's subtle little things that we can do to make the space not only make people feel comfortable, but encourage the creative side of them. You know, it's those unanticipated collisions when magical things happen, right? And you you put people together that might not necessarily commingle out there in the real world. But what happens if you put them in a space that's not stigmatized with stereotypes and it's safe to say whatever you want? Um, that's what I've enjoyed uh, as I've been mixing these random groups of people together in our space and seeing what happens. And it's usually good stuff. I haven't seen any like this fight. <laughs> but it's cool. It's that's cool to be able example. to like experiment and use things uh, differently. So. We think about that in the context of my business. Wealth management is a broad umbrella. And if you expand wealth to be more than money, much like conscious capitalism is profits essential. I can't help you manage your wealth if you don't have money. But there's, especially in the business climate, the physical wealth, the emotional wealth that you get by having an environment that's conducive to come to every day. That, yeah. You know, the human body was not designed to sit in a chair and peck at a keyboard for eight hours a day. That's not how we evolved. Right. <laughs> so to have solutions that speak to that is powerful. Well, and we were also made to interact with each other. Correct. I mean, that's what I would say to anyone. You know, I was scared when I started doing this. I don't know what I was doing. I still probably don't. And that's why I'm trying to learn everything I can about the 
bad word, nonprofit world and how it works. But I, I would say to anybody that has a great idea, stop researching it. Go do it. Elvis said it, like, little less conversation, a little more action. Like, it, you're going to fall down. Like, that's how that works. That's, I mean, I've told my kids, I mean, don't not latch the gate because you're going to slam your finger. But the only time they'll remember not to do it is when they slam their finger. I can say it till I'm blue in the face. I would just say to stop being afraid and try something. Try, try a program or try it with a friend. Just try to make change some way. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, a, an important point as well, because, you know, we talked about, you know, Goodman's and the environment and uh, and and within the context of of, you know, going out and doing something to help the community, just ask, how can we use the resources? But it's bigger than that as well, because you're if you're free to, you know, be creative, be inventive and fail when it's not for the, you know, making money or, you know, furthering the business, then it's likely that you're also given, you know, some creativity and able to take risk within the business as well. And in my opinion, I think that that's very important when you think about longevity and success and evolution and growth for a company is that, again, you create those environments where people aren't afraid to be their best and the only way we find our best is you know through you know taking risks and and failing so i think it's an, another uh just example of what goodman's has has been able to create so both of both of you are uh, running organizations here in southern arizona and uh, you know jeff you made some comments about you know, long-term success and long-term profitability. So you both want to be around for a while, right? I mean, not just you as individuals, but, you know, you want to be, you know, have these organizations that are going to be around for a while. So any thoughts on, you know, Michelle, uh, the future of Good Threads and, and, and um, you know, how do you continue to keep it how do you sustain and then also how do you continue to keep it relevant and evolve with the needs of the community that you're supporting? That's exactly, I've been focusing on that lately. I just read this book called Palaces for the People and that's just it, like creating social infrastructure and creating a program that's sustainable. It's really challenging, especially for me because my population I serve is invisible. So the way I stay relevant is to connect myself with not only the population I'm serving, so I've, I'm a volunteer on the Foster Care Review Board and things like that, but connecting with other agencies that are involved too. So I know that I'm providing the right service. And you know, like I said, I bring my kids, I make sure I wanna grow the program. I don't want it like to die with me. So uh, these last few months, I've really spent time connecting with the other agencies because I feel like you know, you can go fast alone or you can go far together. And um, we now have the fact meetings at Goodman's, which is the Foster Adoptive Council of Tucson. So we've been bringing more groups of people together that are starting to realize how they can help each other. And to me, that's how you keep it sustainable is to make sure that whatever service I'm providing is relevant, not just something I think they need. So you stay in partnership, you know, you the best yes. way to continue to know what the needs are is to stay in partnership and looking for ways and how we all, we can work together uh, to serve, you know, a certain group of people. Uh, so and Jeff's I mean, it's really the same the same thing. I mean, I, you know, what I know about you and and just the things that we've heard on on this show. I mean, you clearly want to leave Goodman's a better place than you know than it was when you found it. And uh, so, what does that look like for you? I mean, what what's what are keys to you know for your own organization and and sustainability and ongoing growth and success? So I think like there's there's. Uh the difference between the business and me are distinct. Um, but for the business, what, what we really are trying to do now is create, uh, you know, we've always had a culture of good performance, but what we're trying, what we're trying now is to emphasize continuous improvement because the, the environment is changing and it's changed the, the, the business environment is changing and it's changing quickly. Um, what are some examples of that? Please? Well, so some of them are, are kind of interesting to me. Like the, so when did Action Office start? 
30 uh, years ago, 19, 25 years? Yeah, mid-1960s. So, so that was the start. First panel system. Yeah, that was the yeah, start. Okay. And it really wasn't Gilbert. open offices because it was <laughs> yeah. really tall panels. But that was the first start of the modular office furniture. And what's been popular for the last 10 years or so is this open office concept. Um, but that comes with its own set of problems. that, And their workforce problems. Like, the, uh, like for example... We're in a nice room right here. And if you're in this room by yourself working and it gets loud outside, what do you do? Close the Close door. The door. Mm-hmm. What do you do in an open office if it's too loud and you're trying to focus? Or when you need to focus, but everybody keeps bugging you because they don't realize that you need to focus. So the rules of engagement have changed. The social ed- the office etiquette has changed. And we do training on that because of it. So that's something that if you, you think about how business has worked for decades to see how it's changed in 10 years it's changing pretty rapidly right and so now the other thing is that with the generations in the workforce you know the the 25 year old college grad even with a even with a professional degree a you know a, a PE or a, or a law degree or any, you know anyone that that's coming out of school they're working completely different than the senior partner is in the firm that's 55 and or 65 and so how do you accommodate that and what is the difference where you have so you have one one age group that the private office is part of the trappings of accomplishment and another group that has no interest in that i don't even care where i work day to day because everything that i have and i need is in my laptop and on my smartphone Mm -hmm. so i have pictures of my family that I set up and I can daily scroll while I work, but I don't. Today I'm going to work in the uh, in the coffee bar. Tomorrow I'm going to work at the touchdown station, and the day after that I may work in the in the little conference room. and And I have no like I don't own it. It doesn't own me. I don't care about it, and I don't care about really work hours that much. I work when I work, and I play when I play, and. It's not eight to five. It's I may start at seven. I may take a break in the middle. I may work till nine. It's all it, that all those lines are being blurred, and it affects how you deliver a compelling, professional, constructive, uh, supportive, emboldening workplace. And so it's it's moving fast, and we're trying to keep up with that. Um, Personally, I want to see my kids talk less about leaving Tucson and more about wanting to stay here because this is where they want to raise their families and this is what they want to do. And and that means we got to figure out a way to fix the roads. And that means we got to figure out a way to continue to promote good business in Tucson, not business that's going to sacrifice our environmental future or anything like that, but business that will support our lifestyle here and can and can take us to a community that can provide for its uh, least fortunate and a and a community that can provide for the masses and have good play good community places good park system a great quality of life that like that's what I individually that's what I want to say in, in some small way I was a I was a part of that mission to bring to Tucson or, or to continue to improve Tucson. In hopefully, that way. hopefully that's a vision everybody can get behind. That's great. Well yeah, said. I mean, why wouldn't you? I know. Like, what, what, like is there anyone out there that says, no, that right, sucks. Right. What are you talking about? Yeah, see, there's about? that same thing again. Tucson. He's yeah. like, why wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, why wouldn't we? It's so simple. He's like, it's so simple. Yeah. I don't need to read your sign. Yeah. What is it? What? <laughs> When you were talking about keeping up with the the fast evolving business place, is there um, intentional mechanisms that you've put in play for the business so that you can you have quarterly sort of here's the direction or are you getting input from manufacturers or is it simply you've got the right people like Michelle who will raise their hand when they see an opportunity? Or, you know, you mentioned that you're you're training on almost cultural dynamics. How do we interact? It's great we put the furniture in the room but now how do the humans assemble around that furniture and get the most out of it how does that come to be well some some of that has we have control over and some of it we don't um you know how well you utilize a well-designed space is a little bit out of our 
our control. But right? the fact that you had um, the uh, the innovative instincts to say, well, there's a service we can package around that then. We- so, so there's a couple of things in the market today that, that one, you have to be uh, – and Michelle, weigh in. You, you know as much about or more about this market. But the, the, you have to be open-minded for what's coming up. Like you can't rely, well, this is what we did last time, so this is what we need to do that – yeah, well, that, that that used to work, but <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work anymore because no. it's changing fast. The yeah. other thing that's happened that you have to have an open mind is that um, there are many there are many qualified people out there that have different visions for what's next, and so in our business, we work with architectural firms and design firms, and and our manu- and our lead manufacturer Herman Miller does a ton of research in workplace stuff uh, that really sets an industry standard. Other, the, the whole industry uses the results of this research. That makes sense. Um, but you have to be, like how we deal with that locally is you have to be open-minded enough to consider that, hey, this really cool thing that I just did <laughs> might need to be may refit. not be the right thing for this. And, it, and things are changing and they, and they are changing that quick where, you know, we, we thought that like one of the things that have bounced back and forth, everyone wants to go digital. Well, our experience is that that's a really big C-suite initiative, right? But Just in the trenches where the work's done, people want to file some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> they want to keep a few copies. They may want to have a password book. And more importantly, I want a place to put my stuff that I can lock up. So you don't have, yeah. Right? So this idea that, oh no, we're not gonna have any storage. You know, this is gonna be a modern workplace, we're not gonna have any storage, it just doesn't work. Because people want, where do I put my motorcycle helmet? Yeah, it's human-centered design. It's interesting, you know, so everything is changing and and even the like you said, the the millennials who will work anywhere, they still want to have some sense of of home or to at least know how their some of their basic needs are going to be accommodated. So, you know, just kind of the the, the thing that I took took from that is just open minded and things are changing, you know, be ready to to go with it. So and. Fortunately, unfortunately, you know, we've uh, used up our time and that hour went really fast like it always does. So I just want to, you know, thank uh, Jeff and Michelle for being here and, and, you know, telling us more about your your great organizations um, and, uh, you know, complimenting the the message of conscious capitalism. So thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us.